Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, we've got a number of items. We're going to try to cover them quickly. If you're a guest today, we're so grateful to have you. If you have um, children, we have donuts over there. If you are sleepy, we have coffee over there. If your children need to go to the restroom, we have a restroom over here, and you're welcome to go anytime throughout the service. Your child will come forward for the children's sermon and uh, then come back to you if they choose, or they can go uh, on to children's church throughout the service. They'll be in the same building um, you are. Um, good news of the week. I'll call up Sylvia and Lori. I don't know if y'all met Sylvia Dobbs. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> A member Sylvia is a member of our, uh, I'm sorry, the chair of our CEP board. CEP board has worked uh, long to develop a um, guidebook for the program and for parents. And they worked on who they would get to be their full-time director in this. has a special announcement about what's going on today. I would like for you all to... She's our, she's our new director for the Child Encouragement After School Program. She was the editor director for a little while. And for her. Lori and I started just about the same time. Uh, she goes to trustees. She comes, uh, she has great orientation. She's hired teachers to fill every classroom with two teachers. She's currently working on filling out our enrollment. Couldn't be more uh, happy to have Lori as our director. And that is our good news. Katie Jeter, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And I want to make sure you know that the pumpkin patch is coming back to Memorial this year. We are excited about that. Last year was our first year having a pumpkin patch as a fundraiser for our children and our youth. And so we're going to continue that this year. And we need your help to make this possible. It takes a lot of hands on deck to run a pumpkin patch. So as you came in this morning, there was a Above the chalkboard that had the pumpkin patch announcement on it, there was a, a long list of sign-ups of when we need volunteers. Um, so if you would check your calendar and be willing to help us, we would greatly appreciate that. We also need help unloading the huge truck that brings our pumpkins. That's going to be on the same night as our Wednesday supper in October. So it's the first Wednesday in October, October the 7th. We know that they're coming late afternoon. That's all that we know right now. But if you would just mark that date on your calendar, we'll keep you posted as we have more information. Ish on the end of that late afternoon-ish. Um, I want to let you know that on the back table where we have all this stuff, because you walk in the door of this packet and all sorts of stuff, I've put three sermon outlines. I put them there for if you are hard of hearing. My uh, lips, we've got an outline, uh, the same outline that I have. If you would like that autograph, that's no trouble. And hospitality, um, we have classes to explore membership for the next two weeks. Um, I want to make sure that you get the opportunity to sign up. Once we know everyone that's going to be in our new uh, member exploratory class, I'll tailor the schedule to that group. Uh, to make sure it fits that group. So when the attendance register passed, if you will put a check beside your name and some way to contact you that you would like to be part of it. It's not a, if I come to this class, I'm a member and I'm a member for the next 50 years. It's a, this is exploring membership, what membership is uh, here at Memorial. Make sure you sign up for that in the next uh, two or three weeks as we get that going. Uh, and this is the last item left. Uh, today is my 99th day here. 
We talk about the first 100 days. Yeah, you question. Yeah. I have survived 99 days in the morning. There are so many uh, positive things here. The uh, facilities that we have, the location that we have to downtown, the uh, growth potential of the city of Greer, the leadership of music and uh, in both worship services, the leadership and administration around the church. Um, there's really only one thing that we're struggling with right now, and that is our uh, offering for the year. And we fell behind a little bit. We've actually fallen behind a couple years. And it's coming back. If you look at the bulletin, um, both the attendance numbers and the giving for what we need per week is coming back. But I want to let you know that we are going to have a plan for that to uh, help us bridge that gap this year and help us uh, give generously in the years to come. Uh, Kevin Duncan is in the back. See Kevin? I don't know if you all heard of Kevin. Kevin is uh, Katie's first cousin. How about that? We're going to be doing the whole deal today. Kevin is the chair of our finance committee and is also helping us with our subcommittee that's looking into how we're doing for this year and the year to come. And I want you to know that we're going to have a plan for that and that we're going to be coming to your Sunday school classes to, hear, to get every question you have about it and then have a group, uh, a couple of group opportunities to come together and say this is, uh, this is how we're going to make this a strength as well as all the other strengths that we have in worship. So that's plenty of announcements. Let's begin our worship service. Oh, you know what? Sorry. If you have prayer concerns, please raise your hand. Um, uh, Usher will bring those cards to you. If you will uh, please print legibly, that will make it much easier for me. We will read them in worship. We'll give them um, to our prayer team on Tuesday, and they'll be prayed for throughout this week. Will you stand and let's worship together? Music and all is stripped away, and I simply come. Long just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song itself. It's not what you have in mind.
Gracious God, we fall short in so many ways, and yet you always seem to cover us with your grace and surround us with your mercy. Help us not only to be aware of our shortcomings, but to work to change our hearts to become more like you, so that we can give ourselves over fully and completely to worship you. Open our hearts and our minds now and bless this time that we have here together this morning. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I'm going to go plug for the United Methodist Women. Um, our fall supper is Tuesday night at 6 in the Fellowship Hall. Miss Sheila is catering. And we're collecting socks for the Redbird Mission. So we would love to have you join us for supper and bring a pack of socks for the Redbird families. Any size, any color. They need infant to adult. Now for the children's sermon. Who likes to play with blocks? Everybody likes blocks up here. I got lots of hands. So, what's, what do y'all like to do with blocks? Do you like to build a tower and just let it stand there? Or do you like to build a tower and knock it down? <laughs> you like to knock it down? Okay. So, so what we're going to do is I'm going to try to build a tall tower and think of things that you guys and everybody does really good. And for everything that we say was really good about ourselves or really awesome, we're gonna put a block, okay? I think you guys all look very beautiful and very handsome this morning. So we're gonna put a block for that. Kevin is a really good basketball player. 
Your daddy Kevin. Well, I was talking about little Kevin, but your daddy Kevin might be a good basketball player. I don't know. I've never seen him play basketball before. Goldie is very, very fashionable. Sammy Crane is a really, really, really good friend. Stella Ross is doing a really good job being in kindergarten for the first time ever at big school. Davis was a kind friend this morning and shared his Legos. Oh, is it getting tall, Ryan? Ryan did such a good job singing last week in the choir at the 11 o'clock service. being a good builder. Oh, it's getting really tall, isn't it? Isn't it? Thomas Major always does such a good job taking care of B, my little girl. He's such a good friend to her. Okay. Already? Oh my goodness, they all fell down. Okay, so the stuff I was talking about, was that kind of bragging? Yeah, a little bit kind of bragging and saying how good we are and stuff. Does Jesus want us to be braggy? No, he doesn't want us to be braggy. Instead of being braggy, we need to thank God for the stuff that he teaches us how to do, like how to be a good friend and how to play basketball and how to sing and how to build things. Jesus doesn't want us to be braggy. He wants us to be humble. Do you know what humble means? Humble means to not think too highly of yourself. So can you all say the prayer with me? Ready? Dear God, help us to remember not to build up our life on our own accomplishments. But let us give credit to you for all the good. Amen. to get a bigger carpet. That's good stuff. Prayer concerns shared on the cards were for my teacher, Lynn Taylor, who's battling cancer for the third time. For a friend going to the Mayo Clinic in October to find out if his cancer has returned. For Martha Burgess, who's facing four eye surgeries. And for David Taylor, battling stage four cancer. For those prayers written down, for those in our hearts and minds, we pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this space in which we may gather. We are surely all together and all Christians and all following you throughout this world, but at times we can feel quite isolated. We feel as if there's nothing we can do. We feel as if no one is listening. And we wonder if we should keep doing this. But then we receive a card, we receive a phone call, we receive a visit. We go and visit others. And our hearts are warmed. Because we find out in that moment that we are your hands and feet in this world. And though we have frail bodies, that break down, that get sick, that are attacked by this world, 
Nothing can stop our passion to reach out to one another. Bless us in this time, Lord, and inspire us as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. I want you to remember that prayer as we read the prayer in our scripture. So we are in the midst of a series uh, reading a book called The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations, written by a bishop in the Midwest. He said, if you're doing these five things, your church is vital in the community, regardless of If it is practicing radical hospitality, making sure that people have donuts and coffee when they walk in the door, making sure they were greeted. If your church is uh, passionately celebrating worship in whatever style it may be, if your church offers intentional faith development throughout the week outside of Sunday morning, if your church offers risk-taking mission and service in the community to give back, to reach out, to learn, if your church is practicing extravagant generosity and giving, then your church is vital. Today we're talking about passionate worship. We talked about it last week and this week. And I'll read you a quote from the book. From the earliest accounts of the faith, people gathered to pray, sing, listen for God's word, and share in the common meal. Synagogue means to bring together. And the Greek word for church, ecclesia, means called out of the world and refers to the calling of people from their ordinary life to gather together in a sacred time and space. These two words are what we're going to focus on today. And so... Uh, I just feel called to thank you for coming out this day. You know, whenever a minister sees a rainy, getting sort of chilly day, you think, oh, buddy, we're going to take a beating today, like it's outdoors. And so I'm grateful uh, for y'all's attendance today. Last week I mentioned how much I focused on a formula in my career. The first eight years of, or seven years of my career, I just, I, I, it's not that I didn't focus on it, it's that I didn't know entirely how to focus on it. I showed up and, and uh, led the worship service. In the last eight years, I've gotten sort of obsessed, sort of over-obsessed with a couple topics. What time should the, should the service be? What should the order of worship be? What should the style of worship be? Even within styles, you know, contemporary is about as broad a topic as there can be. It just means not traditional. Leadership. What, what type of leadership do we have and how involved are they in the worship service? And space. What space should we use and what should the space look like? We've thought and I've talked and I've prayed and I've read and I've traveled all over the country learning from experts and I would say as I said last week gotten too focused on those subjects that if we get the space exactly right that is what will draw people here and keep people here if we get the time exactly right we have to get all these little things twisted exactly right in order for people to come and in order for people to stay but this quote didn't mention any of that. It didn't mention any of that in the slightest. Not at all. And what's interesting about that is, uh, you know, if you are a theater fan or a sports fan or a, a, a music fan, if they tell you when it's going to be, you just go. You say, that's when I, I want to be there because it matters to me. They're not thinking, what's the exact perfect time for you to come to the uh, Clemson Carolina game? Because they know you're coming because you want to be there. None of these items are mentioned in the quote. Two items are. The Greek word ecclesia means called out of the world. We're called out of the world to a place. And when you think about that, the, the image that came to mind is 
Why does a sports team call a timeout? Generally speaking, something is overwhelming them. There's too much information coming in. There's too many variables happening. We're getting away from what we talked about that we were going to do before we started. Or we're exhausted. And so if you thought of this time here in worship as a time where you're called out of the world to say, okay, you know, we gave it a shot for six and a half days. And we did some good things. But we struggled too. Some of the stuff we talked about, we have struggled to follow through with. And some of the stuff we said we weren't going to do, well, we went right out on Monday and did it. It only took till 10.30 for us to do the thing we hoped we would not do. So um, I've coached many things. I've coached, uh, I should say, many teams. I've only coached two sports, t-ball and basketball. And when you talk for an entire hour about a subject in practice on a Sunday, on a, uh, yeah, Sunday, and then we play the next Saturday, and it's been six days since we talked about it, and you're talking about eight-year-old girls, and you get out and they play the other team and we forget everything we talked about, and you just go, whoa, whoa, come over here. Do you remember what we talked about? So Ecclesia is being pulled out of the world. So the world isn't impacting us. We're trying to put our cell phones down. We're trying to focus on the text, the songs, the prayer, so that we can understand again. The other word, synagogue, to draw us together. Now, uh, so there's two basic worship places in the Old Testament. You have the temple, of which there is only one, which is in Jerusalem which has been built and destroyed, built and destroyed. And right now, there's a mosque on that spot. And right now, the, uh, in Israel, there are um, enormous elements of worship that are protected that will go back in the temple the day they have a third temple. Now, I have no idea when that will happen or what on earth would happen if it did happen. But I know that they want to have a temple on that spot. And they're preparing for it. What way more, the thing that has uh, uh, far more reoccurrence in that land and in our land is what is the synagogue. These are in your local town. So you have to travel to the temple and you hope to make it there once in your life. The synagogue's in your town. And that word is drawing us together, reminding us of our common purpose, strengthening the knowledge that we are in this together. So with those two words in mind, Ecclesia called out of the world and synagogue drawing us together. Let's look at the text for today. Luke 18. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. That is not a good start. (laughs) Time out. We are five seconds into this thing and it is a train wreck. To some who are confident in their own righteousness. Jesus told this parable. Now generally speaking, Jesus will tell a parable when someone's asked him a question. Talked about this last week too. When someone says, someone gives him a direct question, generally speaking, he will try to recalibrate the priorities that cause them to ask the question. It's incredibly frustrating to the people. But if they're paying attention, if the disciples are paying attention... Hopefully it helps recalibrate the way that they think and the root of why they're asking that question. So he says, uh, now, the question is, uh, is, that, is that the author of Luke putting that in there? Could be. But either way, it's people, people who are confident in their own righteousness need to hear this. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So if I give you two, and I make them different, there's going to be a line. You're probably going to choose one. You're probably going to get emotional about that choice. And we make our choice pretty quickly. And it's pretty hard to convince us any other way. So one's a Pharisee, and one's a tax collector. And when we look at them, we say, okay, i got a pretty good idea which one I am. i got a pretty good idea of the way this is going to go. And what I'm going to believe going forward. Verse 11 says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this clown tax collector. I fast twice a week 
and I give a tenth of all that I get. First impression. This person is a religious snob. This person is a rule freak. This person is a law expert. And this person is not welcoming of others. He's thanking God, sort of. But he's saying, thank you, God, that I'm so amazing. If we were honest, you know, we would pray a very similar prayer. Thank you, God, that I'm so amazing. You know, I kind of look around these people. It's a good thing they have me. What's the deeper meaning? Robbers, evildoers, and adulterers take. That tax collector takes. Um, I can't believe, I I, I don't know if I've mentioned here before, that uh, my understanding is that the Roman government picked people in neighborhoods who would know everyone else and know what their income was so that they could know exactly how hard to punish them financially. So um, my family obviously has moved around a good bit uh, for the Methodist Church. But we generally live beside people who have lived there 20, 25 years. You live somewhere 20, 25 years, and you get to know your neighbor. And then one day the Roman government comes in and your neighbor goes, oh, I know how much they make. I know, I know if we hit them up for 40, 45%, I know exactly how much money that'll be. And then he gets a big cut of that money, and then he uses that money however he chooses. You know, your neighbor pulls up in a really nice car. You help bankroll it. You can get a pretty negative feeling. So this person does not take, and he gives generously. And he fasts. Fasting is the practice of not eating so that you feel the burden, you feel the weight, you feel the hunger, and with that hunger you reach out to God. He does a lot of good things. Verse 13 says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. First impression. He's humble, and he's seeking holiness. This guy gets it. He's totally reliant upon God for help. But what's the deeper thing? He's taken a lot from his fellow countrymen. He really has no other option. It's a little bit easier to say, please help me, God, I've got nothing, when you've got nothing. You can get there a whole lot faster. Verse 14 says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. So when you see the word justified, I want you, I want, when you hear three key words, I want you to know uh, how critical they are to United Methodist theology. When you hear provenient, That means that God loves us before we ever know what love is or was, whatever the right word is. That's why we baptize infants, because we know God is working in our lives before we try to respond. We also know that humans have every ability to reject love. I don't know if y'all have ever seen a human reject love that you've offered them. I don't know if you've ever rejected love that another human has offered you. We have every right and ability to reject the love that God offers us. But if we accept it, the word is justifying grace. The fact that when we are in our broken human state, we are found perfect in God's love, not in our own actions. Third word, sanctifying. When you hear about sanctifying grace in the United Methodist Church, you're talking about daily Seeking out the kingdom of God. What can I do to not hope for uh, heavenly bliss in which I get to see my neighbors and my dogs and my loved ones for all eternity? But instead saying, what can I do to make the kingdom of God happen here right now? Because God already loves me. 
He said he went home justified. So the first impression is that this is an open and shut case. Real simple. One is arrogant, one's humble, and one is right. The deeper is that in celebrating the tax collector and judging the Pharisee, you are saying, you know what, I'm a whole lot of things, but at least I'm not that guy. At least I'm not the tax collector. And think how easy it is for us to do that. We justify our words and our actions and lack of words by saying at least we're not this person over here. Because every time we gather, we size ourselves up. We do. We look around at each other and we say, okay, how am I doing against this person? And, um, you know, every time I move, I'm placed into totally different spheres and I've got to understand where I am in those spheres. The latest one is when we met at the chamber the other day with the um, other 29 participants of leadership career. So I'm sitting around that table, and I'm thinking, what are these people up to? And then and you wonder, am I capable of being here? Am I up for being here? And you wonder how you compare against those people. And then after a while, you hear them speak, you watch them act, and you go, Okay, I see where I am, but it's based on comparison to them. It's not based on your self-worth, which it should be. So this parable does uh, what any great parable does, which gives us a very simple answer that's a trap. So when we look and we say, at least I'm not that person, we are failing mightily. When we say, God is amazing through us, then we're succeeding. See, both these guys struggled. Last quote of the day. Among the competing interpretive contexts in which people are immersed, fierce individualism, acquisitive consumerism, intense nationalism, political partisanship, hopeless negativism, Negativism. Negativism? Now we're ready. Naive optimism. Worship helps people perceive themselves, their world, their relationships, and their responsibilities in ways that include God's revelation in Christ. So if you'll back that up one slide for me. If you look at Facebook, and you looked at those words that are inside the parentheses, how many posts would fit inside them? What's even worse is the comments on the posts. The comments on the posts can get even more heated and go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And see, if I were to um, look at that if I were able to communicate with the people with it, and if I were a coach, what do you think I would do? Come out. What are we doing? We are um, having an opinion and the group around us. We're searching for God to affirm what we're already doing. We're calling people around us clowns because they don't get it. And we're thanking God that we're so amazing while that person is terrible. Now, that is what church is capable of. When people gather in a church, it is fully capable of doing that thing, just like Facebook. But the church is also capable of an entirely different thing. Okay, what did we pray when we looked at the Lord's Prayer? How different is the Lord's Prayer from this guy's prayer. The Lord's Prayer talks about God's action. The Lord's Prayer talks about God's acceptance, mercy, hope, purpose, and our ability to respond. So I want you, um, it's a little bit hard, once you recognize it, to look around the world and see all these things. 
but I want you to see them and I want you to understand them, but I want you to deflect them. And I want you, when you come to this church, it could be at worship at 9 o'clock, but it could be a meeting on Tuesday at 5. I want you to think, how do I confirm what I'm already doing and hope that God will bless it? How do I pray for God's understanding, God's blessing, and God's purpose? When we're coming here grateful, when we're coming here wanting to give back, we will have passionate worship here in Memorial. Let us pray. Gracious God, again, we thank you for your patience as we attempt to figure this out. And in all the noise that's around us, in all the words that we read, and in all the things that we type and post, help us, Lord, to celebrate you, to honor you, to ask that you may help us and lead us and guide us in this truth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we read our affirmation together found on the screen. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We'll now give our tithes and other offerings, and if you um, uh, need any help with that, just let us know.
testing. I want you all to do something on your way out the door. Um, Pat, Greg Foster on the shoulder. He's pretty much the only one you don't see doing something in front of worship, but he's doing all kinds of things like replacing this cord in the middle of worship to make sure we're doing it right. Go in peace. Encounter this world. Encounter some of the spitefulness and hatefulness you see in your meetings, in your uh, workplaces, in your home, online. Strength and wisdom in that moment as God has called you to be. Go in peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.